Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, folks? It's your boy Long Beach Joe back at it again. Okay, and listen, we got a game upcoming. We got a lot of things to talk about. We got this Bills game, Jets versus Bills. A lot of things going on. We got players returning. You know, we're trying to see if the Jets can get their their first win of the season, man. What can the Jets do? So let's go ahead and get right into it. Listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I love going back and forth with folks about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on The Long Beach Joe Show. So without further ado, folks, let's go ahead and get into the show because I'm fired up. Listen, we're going to get to the callers. We're going to get to everybody in a second. Um, just kind of starting out, listen, the Jets right now looking for that first W. That's what they're doing. And we got a team that's coming in that's banged up. This Bills team has a lot of injuries on it. You know, Josh Norman, so on and so forth. There's a lot of guys that are not going to be playing. And you're looking at this Jets team, we're getting people back. Mims activated this is supposed to be his first game this year he's making his season debut we're getting Sam Darnold back as well um you know so he's going to be our starter this game Becton is also going to be back the big left tackle that we you know have been excited about all season so this Jets team is coming in you know against a team that's banged up it looks like we should be able to take care of and but we're wondering can we get the job done can we go in there and do what it takes to get the win that we need to get on the season? Where is this Jets team going to be? You know, are they going to be coached correctly? Are they going to come out and look like they're prepared? Are they going to come out flat like we've seen in the past? What is this offense going to look like? Are we finally going to figure out a way to utilize Sam Darnold his skill set correctly? You know, what, what about Mims? What's going on with him? Is Adam Gaze going to find a way to implement him within this game plan as well, especially with the Bills secondary being as banged up as it is? There should be things that we should be absolutely be able to attack out there, and I want to see what the Jets are going to do, especially defensively too. Because let me tell you something. We talk about this offense being bad every single week, but uh, this defense is garbage. <laughs> okay, this defense has let up a lot of yards as well, gotten ran on, all kinds of things. So we're going to get into all of that, but before we get there, okay, Everyone knows I'm wearing pink. I'm a big supporter of the Suze G. Coleman Foundation. I'm bringing the fight to breast cancer. So we have a guest that's going to come on, Dr. Robina Smith. She's going to come on and talk to us a little bit about breast cancer and kind of explain to us what it is and how it affects the body. Dr. Robina Smith, I want to welcome you to the Long Beach Joe Show. How's your day going? Uh, It's going well, Joe. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to the show. And uh, I'm excited to talk to your listeners about uh, uh, the all things pink, if it were. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't wait. And, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show, uh, Dr. Smith. Dr. Smith, can you explain to us what breast cancer is? Sure. The simplest way that I can explain this is if you think from the day that the sperm meets the egg, all the cells are programmed to create our body. Every cell has a has a, uh, a instruction on what to do. And so, as we're being born in the in our mother's belly, we have cells that go to particular parts of our body: cells for the skin, cells for the that's going to be breast, cells for the liver, cells for the bone. These all these cells are programmed. They have instructions to grow. They have a cycle. We call it the cell cycle. 
Uh, they have a, to mature uh, and divide and then to actually die. There's a, something called a programmed cell death that happens. Cells mature, they regenerate, and they die off. When cancer happens, no matter where it is in the body, no matter what cell it is in the body, something happens in that cell cycle and it doesn't follow instructions. So when cells mature and they, and they divide, there's a point in time they're supposed to stop dividing and then they actually die and regenerate. When cancer happens, they're stuck on the, the, the making copies of themselves, if you will. There's something called a mutation. Something happens to the cell. It just doesn't follow the instructions. And it just keeps dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. And essentially, that goes unchecked. We have, our bodies are born with a surveillance, the cops of the immune system. They're called natural killer cells. These are part of our immune cells that go in and look for these cells. I call cells behaving badly. Look for these cells. You guys are supposed to be stop dividing. You're not dividing. We try to kill it. And there's things that happen in the body that, that they take care of, cancer cells that will never come to fruition. However, even cancer is smart enough to evade them, kind of like, you know, when you think about football, your analogy with football, right? You have an offense and a defense. Mm -hmm. There's cancer cells that, that they're smarter than our immune cells, and they know how to evade them, and they're allowed to keep dividing unchecked. And then it creates a system where they've taken over an area, whether it's in the breast, whether it's in the prostate for the men, whether it's skin, no matter what it is. So cancer, in its simplest form, is your normal cells that got stuck on stupid, which is it just keeps mm. dividing and dividing and dividing. And they only have one mode of operandi, which is to keep dividing and take over the territory that it's in. Wow. That's, that, a, that's a great, great. Yeah, that, that, is, that is a wonderful explanation, Dr. Smith. And you, start, you talked about it taking over and, you know, trying to find ways to continue to multiply itself. How important is early detection, uh, Dr. Smith? It's everything. So what you have to understand is when all this is happening inside our body, it's happening all the time. And it does not have to give us clues to let us know that it's happening, right? So if a cancer decides, if a cell in our breast decides to go rogue and to keep dividing, and now it wants to take over the area that it's dividing, it doesn't have to let us know. It doesn't follow a playbook or a rule book. It just does what it does unapologetically. For us, detecting this activity is the only tool that man has because cancer is invisible to our naked eye. The only way we can see these cells that are behaving badly is to put it under a microscope and have someone or a doctor who's a specialist with a microscope looking at tissue is called a pathologist where they can see things magnified 10 times and 100 times over, right? So there's no way we can provide samples of everything in our body every hour, every second of a day to a pathologist to look at the cells to decide, are you a normal cell that's behaving correctly and following the rules, or are you rogue? So the only way to identify something that should go to the pathologist to look at under a microscope is to sample it. And to sample it means we have to know that it exists. The only way mm. to find out if something exists is to set up a screening to set up a let's go and it's like a neighborhood watch, right? It's a neighborhood watch of your body. Every screening, mm. whether we have for prostate for men or breast cancer with mammograms for women or for 
cervical cancer with pap smears for women or for colon cancers with a colonoscopy for men and women is to provide a neighborhood watch system looking for something that should not be there, take a sample of it, give it to the specialist called a pathologist who looks at it under a microscope to identify the cells behaving badly. So early detection is all that we have as humans to identify a process that is happening to us that we are not even privy to know. It's hmm. everything, okay? It's everything. I know they hear the term and they say, oh, something like someone's wearing an outfit and this goodie, like, girl, them shoes, them shoes are everything. A mammogram <laughs> is everything. Seriously, hmm. it's everything. Because outside of that, a mammogram is the only tool, the only neighborhood watch that we have that will give us the earliest clues that cells are behaving badly before a woman can detect it in her own body with a lump or a mass or skin changes or bloody nipple discharge, or even for men, a lump that is created that's felt because, you know, there's not a lot of breast tissue that men have, but they do have breast tissue right behind the nipple in the areola area. So they feel a lump Mm -hmm. or like, for example, I had men in my, in my practice, they were uh, police officers. They wore a, a bulletproof vest. Their vest is fitted to their dimensions, right? So it's tight. So if they're wearing something against their chest and now they're having pain because something is growing in a space that was not intended for it to be there. So before we get to the point where a woman can identify something in her own breast, we have set up neighborhood watch where we're looking at all women, all comers across the board every single day from the time we tell them to start doing mammograms, which for the most part may be 40 for some women, it may be between 40 and 45 for the average woman. It could be younger for women who are identified of possibly having cancer younger than 40. But we set up a neighborhood watch so that we can find it before the woman does. That's the best Hmm. way that we can stay ahead of the curve of cancer. Wow. And again, everyone listening, we're speaking with Dr. Robina Smith. She is absolutely dropping knowledge about breast cancer and the effects as well. Dr. Dr. Smith, what are your thoughts on, you know, some of the sayings of people saying, hey, listen, breast cancer doesn't affect men. What, what do you have to say to some of those folks that think that? Well, unfortunately, and, and we recognize this in the medical community, we do not spend enough time uh, or our resources or our money talking to creating programs for men in breast cancer. Um, and, and we understand that, that that is an area that we're deficient in. And it really just has to do purely with numbers. So both men and women are born with breast buds that contain breast milk ducts. The difference is the maturation of these milk ducts and the evolution of something called lobules that creates milk, that the milk travels out of the nipples through the milk ducts. It's mainly a system, an organ that really thrives on the estrogen and progesterone hormones. And that hormone is, those two hormones are the dominant hormones in females. It has to do when we go through puberty and growing these structures and growing the breast and the ovaries are secreting these organs, uh, these hormones. Men are born with a small amount of breast bud tissue. They have milk ducts, but they don't have uh, the lobules where the milk comes from because they don't have ovaries and they don't have the surge of estrogen and progesterone 
hormones the way females do. Now, men do have some estrogen, but their testosterone hormone that comes from the testes in the scrotum, though the, the, the testosterone hormone is much more predominant in the male's body, that, therefore the, the little bit of breast tissue men have really doesn't mature. So most of the time when we're dealing with breast cancer, it's a normal milk duct cell inside those ducts that went rogue to create a milk duct cancer. That's the most common cancer that women have. Some women will have some cancers of the lobules where the, duct, where the milk is made, but the duct is really the most important uh, uh, place where cancer comes from. So because men don't have as much estrogen in their system as women do, because men don't mature and develop the ducts in that little bit of breast tissue that women do. We don't really spend a whole lot of time talking to, educating, and aware, and getting men aware that they have this breast tissue. The only time it becomes an issue in a man's life is when there is abnormal stimulation of that breast tissue behind the man's nipple and areola. And that come, when it happens, it's called gynecomastia. Gyno meaning it's gyne, it's the tissue. It's, it's, it's kind of like a, that's the term we use. We talk about gynecology, right? You're dealing with like hormones. And the mastia represents breast. So we see that in men who have sometimes a lot of overabundance of testosterone. And what happens mm -hmm. is the testosterone goes through a kind of a, a chemical change where it can turn into like a pseudoestrogen, like a false estrogen-looking type of hormone, that the tissue mm -hmm. that the tissue in the man's breast tissue will think, oh, this is estrogen, so let's stimulate this little bit of tissue that the man has. And so gynecomastia is a non-cancerous condition, but their breast tissue enlarges and they have tissue, they have pain. And so because we don't really have a good screening system for men about it, we don't talk about it a lot, it's really a, a, an issue where it's just a lack of awareness. But the truth is every man and woman are born with a breast bud that contains breast milk ducts behind the nipple and the areola. Hmm. One out of our 100 men will actually develop breast cancer. Again, wow. there's some issues about whether or not they have more estrogen in their body than normal or they have too much testosterone in their body that, that shunts to the pseudoestrogen type of pathway, or if it's genetic or it's chemical, we really don't have the answer, just like we really don't understand why cells behave badly in women. But because over 260,000 cases of breast cancer happen every year, if not yearly happens for women, only one out of 100 happens for men. And so wow. it's just something that men need to be aware of. It doesn't happen mm. as often as it does for women, but it does happen. We don't have a screening mm. process, and it's not because we can't squeeze a little bit of tissue in the mammogram, because we can, because when men are diagnosed with breast cancer, they get a mammogram. There's enough tissue for us to do a mammogram on. It's really because when we look at majority of the time when a man has breast cancer, because he does not have a lot of fat around his breast tissue, a lump is mm -hmm. identified right away. Whereas you're looking at a wow. woman who has milk ducts, who has a lot of, whether they're A cup to triple Ds or triple Ms or triple Fs, there's a lot of body fat that surrounds these milk ducts. So it's hard to sometimes identify a mass simply on a 
by feeling it. So we need something that helps us identify it sooner. That's where you get the screening mammogram. With men, mm. because it's about maybe a dime size of tissue, if mm. something is changing, usually we're able to find it pretty early by just a man, a man saying, you know, hey, I'm having pain behind my nipple or I feel a little lump here. That's majority, the majority of the time that's how we diagnose breast cancer in the man, by either him or his significant other finding a lump that shouldn't be there. Easier, easier, wow. more easily than it is for a woman. Yes. Wow. Wow. That is. And I tell people all the time, Dr. Smith, you know, especially if you're a man, don't think that breast cancer only affects women. It will absolutely affect you as well. And that leads me to my next question for you, Dr. Smith, is can you kind of explain where breast cancer research is right now? Where exactly are we with that? So besides trying to understand why we're behind the eight ball, because that is the biggest the biggest hurdle, which I try to get people to understand about cancer, no matter where it is, is that cancer doesn't have to go to medical school to learn how to be cancer. It does what it does. We as man, right, have to understand something that does not leave a rule book or a playbook behind. This is what I do. This is how I turn on. This is how I divide. This is how I can be killed. So we are constantly trying to uh, to win a game against an opponent that has been winning and doing what it's doing unchecked for centuries. So research now, part of it is trying to figure out why, is, why does the cell behave badly? It has, it, 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 it's born with instructions. Why does it ignore these instructions and, 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 and behave badly? The other part of our research is how can we be better at treating and keeping it from coming back? So before you have cancer, our biggest push is being healthy, trying to reduce your risks of it happening, although you can never make your risk zero, okay? You can never have a zero risk of something happening to you if we don't know why it happened. So besides trying to figure that out, we say, okay, after we treat it, if we catch it early and we know it's there, we have a plan. We attack it. We remove it. We do whatever we need to do to try to prevent it from coming back, whether one gets what's called systemic treatment, chemotherapy, they get pills, hormonal therapy, they get radiation. Whatever it is that we do to treat cancer, there's a risk that after you have treated it, that maybe by man, because we're not microscopic, we can't see every little thing in the body, could there be some cells hiding behind after we did everything we thought we did was necessary to treat it, are this in residual cells when we're trying to make a comeback? Well, if so, what can we do to prevent that? That's why people get medicine after having surgery to have the cancer removed. Maybe they've had radiation to where they had the cancer. The reason why there's treatment after that is to try to prevent an attack in the future. So majority of the times, the treatments that we come up with, they may not be the best looking. They may not um, have the best side effects because our goal is to treat an unknown opponent, right? So when we talk about chemotherapy, it's a treatment that understands its job is just to kill any actively cells or cells that are behaving badly, whether we know it's there or not. But we also know there's side effects because there's a lot of cells in our body that actively divide that are necessary, like our intestines, our hair grows out of our hair, our nails. These things take a hit because there are cells that actively divide as well. And the chemotherapy, it, doesn't, it can't differentiate between cancer and, like, your hair cell. So we try to come up with more targeted 
medications that specifically target cells that are somewhere in the body that's outside of the breast, but it looks like a breast cell, or it's a, yeah. it's cells that respond to estrogen and progesterone, um, but it's not necessarily a breast cell, or I mean, it's, I mean, it's not like a skin cell or a hair cell. Like, it's so we the left side effects. So research now is targeting, trying to find pathways that will specifically kill the cancer cell and not affect the rest of the body, the normal cells that are actively dividing. So that's, okay. that's, that's yeah. where we are in terms of research, being more specific about cancer, targeting the cancer cells, less side effects, targeting cancers that are harder to treat, like triple negative, for example, being able to find other medications outside of chemotherapy for that. And also there's research trying to figure out why are these cells behaving badly in the first place. Yeah. Ooh, everyone listening, Dr. Robina Smith, that's who we're speaking to right now. She is calling in, dropping all kinds of knowledge about breast cancer and how it's affecting uh, the community, the world right now. My final question for you, Dr. Smith, is how can my listeners get involved with the Steve G. Coleman Foundation? Yeah, so the best way to get involved would really be go to is to go to their website, um, this, the Circle of Promise Initiative, especially for us in the African-American community, where a lot of the resources are needed for funding, the resources are needed for volunteering for some clinical trials or what we call research, in order for us to know if these medications are going to work in our community, we need to participate in these clinical trials so that we know that just like every other race, yes, this medication works for us because that's not always the case. And so the best thing I think that your listeners can do is to go to ColemanLA.org, and then they can donate uh, to the Circle of Promise Initiative. They can see how they can be involved in their local chapters. Um, Susan G. Coleman has chapters all over the, the, the country. See how they can be involved, whether they're ambassadors, whether they're donating their time, whether uh, you know, they're donating their money. The best way is to go to their website and look at in your particular state, in your particular region, how you can get involved. But specifically for the African-American community, look for ways to be involved in the Circle of Promise Initiative. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Smith, for coming on. It was phenomenal speaking with you. Um, thank you thank so much you. again for coming on and just dropping all of the information that you did for me and my listeners. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you, John. Thank you for allowing me to talk to the listeners and trying to spread the knowledge because it's more than just pink. That's what I try to teach the people. It's more than just pink. You can wear pink and it sounds nice, but no, but get, but be an advocate behind it uh, and understand exactly. what the real fight is. So thank you so much. Exactly. Thank you again, Dr. Smith, and you have a good night. You too. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Listen, Dr. Robina Smith came on and absolutely dropped some knowledge on us. Again, I'm a big supporter of breast cancer awareness. And again, a partner with the Suji Cohen Foundation this year to bring the fight to breast cancer. Anyone listening, um, you can go to all of my social media, you know, across even on my YouTube pages as well. You can go down there. It's a donation link down there uh, that will take you directly to a fundraiser page to where you can donate. That money goes directly to the Suji G. Komen Foundation. And it's just all about, you know, spreading the awareness of breast cancer and doing whatever I can or doing whatever we can here at the Long Beach Joe Show to bring awareness to the community. You know, we, we talk football, we talk Jets, you know, we love doing that, but we also love 
you know, bringing awareness to, to things that's going on out here. And let me tell you something, breast cancer is serious business. It's absolutely serious business. So, again, we want to thank Dr. Smith for coming on and absolutely spreading, uh, you know, the message of what's going on out here as far as breast cancer. Phenomenal, phenomenal person to speak with. So, now, you know, we're going to come back, you know, we're going to come back to this Jets, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep this pink on, you know, because, again, pink boys, pink boys, big boys, we still, you know what I'm saying, got to gotta bring up this fight, but Listen, we're going to start go back and talk Jets. 515-602-9639 is the number if you want to call in. We got Jets bills, all right? We got Jets bills, and uh, this team right now is hungry, looking for its first win. Bills are banged up. The Jets got some players coming back. I'm going to go directly to the callers. Again, my boys in the chat, please keep chatting. You know what I'm saying? We're going to come back. I call you guys savages. That's what you are. You know what I'm saying? A bunch of savages in the chat. I'm going to come to the savages in a second. Just in case this is your first time listening to me, I also live stream during my uh, live radio show. So uh, when I talk about, you know, talking to the savages, I'm talking to my chat because they have a lot of things that they want to say. Um, so, you know, it kind of is what it is. Again, 515-602-9639 is the number if you want to call in. Lines are open. I'm saying we got quite a bit of callers already. So I'm going to go to my first caller first. <laughs> man, it's going to get crazy. Uh, we're going to go to Elias. Elias, man. Give me your thoughts about this Jets team going into this Bills game. And uh, how do you feel? How do you feel so far about this team being matched up with this banged-up uh, Bills team? Joe, how's it going, man? How you doing? What's going on, my friend? How are you feeling? Uh, I'm honestly kind of looking forward to this game for the sole fact that I believe Sam's going to play tomorrow. And you got Mims, which, who I'm excited yep. to see. Hopefully Beckton's playing. So I still want to lose because I explained this to my friend the other day. I think we have, like, the second – I think we have the second, like, hardest schedule. And, like, there's a lot of other oh. craft teams in the league, too, like the Giants and the football team. We go 1-15 and the Giants go 1-15. Well, they would get the first pick because they have an easier schedule. So I feel like mm-hmm. the only way we – like, we have to go 0-16. So it's going to suck now, but when draft rolls around and then – your video last uh, last night got me super torn on the whole Sam versus Trevor argument. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking like oh well we need you know I want a new con- like a rookie contract you know we don't have a quarterback making a ton of money but also you're not paying anyone else like besides Mosley maybe but yeah. um which he's well, here, obviously here, not even playing but yeah here here's my thing and I, and again I want to thank you for calling in man you know I love talking to you. On a weekly basis. Here's my thing about this: is that, and we'll talk about the the, the Bills game in just a second. But the the thing that bothers me about you know certain parts of the fan base is they're so quick to just throw things away when they you know when they don't kind of take a take a look at all aspects of what's going on, right? Of course, yeah. Sam is not going to look like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, or any of these other guys if you don't give him the proper weapons or the proper protection or the proper coaching, we've seen other quarterbacks struggle, um, you know, in a lot of the same ways when they didn't have those things. Hell, even Roddy White, a guy that literally, you know, came out and said that he was telling Trevor, listen, do not go to the Jets franchise because you you don't want your, (laughs) well, he came out and said it, but you know, if you also look at other things that he was saying on social media, he was saying that he said that he said that because he realized that, Hey, they're not helping Sam Darnold, so they're not going to help, you know, Trevor. They're not going to do that. And, hey. and I brought that up, a lot of that up as well, because guess what? A lot of the people that are screaming for Trevor this year were the same people that were saying that we should suck for Sam. 
oh, Sam Darnold's going to turn everything around, but we don't give him anything, it's not going to help us. I understand that Trevor Lawrence is a a great young QB, and everybody likes him, and they think he's going to come in the league and do great things. I, I, I get that. He looks great. But here's the problem. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. Unless Trevor can throw to himself, unless Trevor can block for himself, throw to himself, and score touchdowns. <laughs> right? Like, let's, I'm, I'm, I'm going there. You know what I'm saying? Unless he can do all yeah. those things. Does Trevor play quarterback, running back, wide receiver, left tackle, guard, and center? Does he do himself. all of those things? I'm saying, unless he can do all of those things, we have the major issues and major holes here. And that's why the idea of Trevor even saying that he does not want to play for the Jets or even if the Jets moving down and away, and I don't like to give away a lot of my takes too early, you know, but I'm going to start doing that. Just We should trade down. This is a chance that we have to truly restructure this football team in the correct way. It took years. I'm talking years for our roster to get this bad. Think about how, how long Mike McCagnan had to ruin this, this franchise. Years. And this was right after Idzik. So it took years for us to get in this position, and we have a chance to truly shorten that rebuilding period. We have a chance to truly shorten, you know, the gap between us not being competitive at all and us competing. And I think that we should take that jump because, again, and I always bring this up, and it's because it's a very valid and, and great point. All, most of our franchise, I think all of our, pretty much all of our franchise records offensively, right, as far as QB, like top offense and stuff like that, it's held by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan that, Fitzpatrick, that yep. that, yeah. That, that offense that was off the charts that, that smashed all of our franchise records, it's quarterbacked by Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Sam Donald is light weapons. years better than him. Exactly. That's why is because he had weapons. Ryan Fitzpatrick was given weapons. He was surrounded by, you know, uh, Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall. He had an offensive line that didn't get him killed. He had a running game that could put things up together. So guess what? If we do the same thing, even if you feel like Sam isn't, you know, uh, isn't Aaron Rodgers or whatever, even you've seen even a mediocre talent, which Sam is not a mediocre talent. He's way above average, but even a mediocre talent can put you in a position to be great and win. <laughs> That's exactly what they can do. So I'm all about surrounding my young QB that I know has talent, that I know has what it takes, surrounding him with weapons, finally protecting him, getting the right quarterback in there, you know, to step or getting the right uh, coach in there, excuse me, to step in and do what it takes to have us ascend to the next level. Because it's going, to be, it's going to be tough for us because you don't have protection. You don't have any of those things. And I feel like what we'll do is we'll put Trevor in the same situation that Sam is in. And in a couple of years when he's getting hit a lot and he's worried about we'll be acting, we'll be talking about the same thing and there'll be the same amount of fans screaming, hey, listen, we got to get rid of this guy for the next guy. No, I'm all yeah. about building around what we have here. And I do not understand why people are so afraid of paying somebody on this football team. Listen, when you get good players, you're going to have to pay them. I know some of y'all don't like mm-hmm. that idea, but guess what? This is an impact position, right? QBs around the league. It's not, look, at, look at all these other teams, right, that are QB-less, that are, that are waiting, that are starved. We, just talk, we talk about on this show every week. Ryan Tannehill went to Tennessee. They paid him, bro. They paid him. Yep. Like they they paid, they paid him because they realized, whoa, wait a minute, this guy is, is really good. We knew that he was good. We knew that he was being mismanaged by gays. We knew he was good, but man, 
this guy can really lead us. He's going to be, he can be our franchise guy. Let's lock him up immediately. That's what you got to do in this yeah. league. It's a quarterback league. You got to pay quarterbacks. So, like, look, For me, I don't understand like why the- everybody's so scared. Pay this guy, move forward, and surround him with young, cheap talent from the draft. I mean, go ahead, Elias. I think a lot of people feel like he's, like, ruined in a way, which I think I think this off, the goal this offseason needs to be the one thing mm-hmm. is to get the right head coach in here. Yeah. Like, for me, the guy I actually want is Joe Brady from Carolina. He was the passing game coordinator at LSU, and this quarterback had the best uh, collegiate quarterback season of all time. I don't think there's a coincidence there. He's making, you know, Teddy Bridgewater look like a superstar. I, I think this guy's mm-hmm. got the next McVay written all over him, and I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. He might be young, but I don't really care. I'm looking for a real offensive line. You hear that, Christopher Johnson? This guy's a real offensive genius, not Mr. <laughs> bubble screen, Frank Gore up the middle, man. But, but for me, back to Lawrence uh, Darnold, I think for me it would just be depending on the offer. Like, let's say if we get four first-round picks, which I doubt's going to happen, but I think that's what RG3 mm-hmm. got, like what uh, the Rams got when they traded uh, to Washington. Uh, like, yeah, Sam, you're my quarterback, but like, the thing is, also, too, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to come out, even if the Jets take him, because you're going first overall. You're going to go to a crap team. Like, this narrative mm-hmm. of, you know, Joe Burrow last year not going to the Bengals was completely getting blown out of proportion. Like, the teams that pick at high suck for a reason. Like, who else are you going to go to? One of the teams he might go to doesn't even have a name. Uh, the other one, the, I don't know, the Giants, they might pick a quarterback. Uh, who else? Like, Atlanta, but if they if they suck again, but like you're gonna go to a crap team regardless. So like I don't get why the Jets, the Jets as bad as they are, they aren't the worst organization in the league. I think Washington and Cincinnati maybe, um, the Chargers. Well, I tell you what, wise, they're kind of a disaster. No, I, I tell you what, this 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 Jets franchise is pretty bad. I don't want to say that we are oh, the worst in the league, oh, it's but awful. it it is it is it is definitely. I, I I would not I would not argue with anyone that really said, "Hey, look, you guys are the worst brand organizationally." Simply because if you look at all the things that we've done, we fired Mike McCagnan after giving him a free agency after the draft, after giving him a free agency and a draft, and we and we knew you should have fired him earlier. I mean, it's just it's just completely ridiculous. But look, I, I look at it like again, I, I think if you can take that first round pick, you know. And you, if if we do end up with the first pick in the first round, and you can turn that into, you know, two first round picks or three first round picks for the future, um, a, some seconds, some thirds, and some fourths, dude, I'm taking that all day. I'm taking it all day, because this class, just like last class, right, is supposed to be extremely deep at wide receiver talent. It's supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Offensive playmakers are supposed to be there. I've heard pass rushers that, especially in the mid rounds, that top second. You know, that top second, that top of the second round to mid of the second round, stuff like that, especially in those mid rounds. I've been hearing from a lot of analysts that there's quite a bit of value there, quite a bit of value there. So if you can turn around and get some steals like that in this draft to continue to help build this football team and better it immediately with young, cheap talent. Again, young, cheap talent is what we'll be getting in the draft. Then you do it, man. You do it, and you get the right guy in here. The biggest thing is getting the right head coach in the building because I I heard what you said earlier, Elias, about how people think that he's ruined. People thought that that Ryan Tannehill was ruined, too. Remember that? Yep. I I remember people were screaming that he's trash, he's ruined. 
I watched that guy throw for 364 last week, 364, yep. and have four touchdowns. He has one of the highest Q, I think he's the highest rated Q, QB ever, <laughs> like ever. This guy is launching yeah. the football all over the field and literally took them one game away from the Super Bowl. From I mean, the Super he, Bowl. he's playing it. Like, this guy, so it was, is he ruined? Because if that's ruined, I need, I, need, I need ruined quarterback over here. <laughs> if that's ruined, you know, give me some of that. You know what I'm saying? But I, I want to get to this game with you, Elias, because we can talk about this all day. Um, but I, I want to get to this game with you because I have so many things that I want to talk to you about because you know your stuff and you're one heck of a Jets okay. fan. And so Thanks, man. I'm looking at this situation. Oh, hey, man, you know your stuff, man. That's why I love talking to you. When you look at this situation right now, we're going into, you know, a game where the, the bills are banged up, but we're getting some guys back. And one of those guys that I'm extremely excited about is Mims, man. He's going to be making his first, uh, you know, NFL debut. It's going to be his first game in the NFL. What are your expectations of him in this football game, man? So it's tough because I'm I'm super excited, but I'm not going to keep my expectations too high. I won't be surprised if he balls out, but, like, he was hurt throughout most of training camp with, you know, the Roto situation. There's no, you know, preseason, none of that. So, like, and he, you know, hasn't gotten that much rest, like, at least with, like, the starting team and stuff. So I'm hoping he can – the, the thing I'm looking for is we need a guy who can make contested catches, those 50-50 balls. Like, we got no one. Mm-hmm. We got – like speed guys who can't catch anything. Uh, we got little dudes who can't obviously can't get fifty fifty balls. So I think that's like if he can turn into that, that's kind of what we need. Now I'm I'm interested what he has to what he's doing throughout the rest of the season. The one thing he he just needs to stay healthy. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. But I'm I'm really excited yeah. to watch this guy play. He, I, I love that pick. Go ahead. I, I didn't. I thought he. I thought he might have gone in the first round, and the fact that we got him after trading back in the second was was pretty sweet. So, I think it's like people are. I heard people saying like, "Oh well, uh, maybe we shouldn't have gotten Mims." Like, look how Chase Claypool. All these guys are playing. I'm like, you haven't seen the damn guy play yet. Like, give the guy a chance. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, we were. I think we were all excited. Like you, like you said, uh, you know, you look at the value of where you got him at, especially we got him after Joe Douglas traded down and we were all like, what the heck is this guy doing? Like, why yeah, did he trade down in that position and was still able to get him later in the second round? So like you said, I, I, I want to see him just stay healthy for the rest of the season. I want to see what he has to give us because let me tell you something, we're, we're hurting a wide receiver. We need a number one. We need to see what young talent can do here. And he possesses a lot of the traits that we need. He's, you know, a bigger guy, fast, uh, they talk about how he can make plays, um, you know, things that he needs to improve on is going to come along. But if we can get some young talent in here that can really provide a reliable set of hands for Sam Darnold, that does nothing but bode well for the football team. And that takes me to my next question for you, guys. We talk about young players on here, especially in the situation that we're in. There's a young player, P. Ryan, that we're all seeing has not been utilized correctly as of yet, right? Oh. We're still wondering. What so I, I know now we're going – <laughs> we're going into this Bills game, right? Adam Gaze told us when Le'Veon Bell left that he was he was going to use P, utilize P Ryan. He's going to implement him in the system. I didn't buy that for that second. game right after I didn't did happen. Buy that. Do you think that do, do you think that P Ryan gets a load of the carries in this game? Is this finally the game where he's going to get more carries than Frank Gore? Hell no, that's not happening. Adam Gaze is our coach. <laughs> Gore, baby. We need we need Gore. He's gonna be here for for the long run. 
Oh man. So yeah. <laughs> so you think Gore still will get a bulk of the carries and still completely, you know, just they'll they'll, they'll kind of shelf P Ryan quite a bit and not still not utilize him as effectively as they should. Probably. I hope I'm wrong, but like he said. He said, uh, yeah, P, this is P. Ryan's chance to, to be the guy. And I was like, dude, that's not happening. You look at, Listen to yourself. And then Adam Gase, you know, Frank Gore, Frank Gore, Frank Gore. Oh, that, that Ty Johnson guy played pretty well last week. But, uh, no, nah, I want to see P. Ryan get, get a bunch of carries, even if he's not playing well. Like, I don't even care if we lose, honestly, because, you know, it's not going to affect – we're not making a playoffs or anything. So, um, this is the one game I'd want to win just because I'm – I live near Buffalo. I'm surrounded by annoying Bills fans who want to tell me how good they are. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, like, this is the one game I think it would be some to win, but then if we're picking second, I kind of think, man, I wish we lost that. But I feel like I don't think we're going to go in 16, to be honest. Like, it seems like we always win that one game that's, like, I don't know. It, like, it, it's yeah. rare for a team to go in 16. But, uh, yeah, if we had to win a game, this would definitely be the one, like, I always say I'm, I hope they lose, and then when the game starts, I get mad at them for playing bad. But I think I just want to—I want to see the, the building blocks play well. So, like, if you know, if it was Flacco and Gore winning us the game, I'd be pissed. But let's say it was, you know, Sam, Mims, P. Ryan, Backton, like draft class stuff like that. Like Quinn and Williams mm-hmm. went off, you know, get that trade value up. Uh, I'd be happy about that. Yeah. So what what is your final prediction for the game, man? Um, I'm taking the Bills. Uh, you know their their defense has surprisingly been really bad this year, which is kind of their strength. So I think I don't think it's gonna be super close, but um, maybe like uh, team Bills uh, twenty eight, maybe something like that. Okay, so you're taking all right. You're taking the Bills win. Listen, man, I want to thank you for calling in. Next time I have a show, please call in, man. You know I love talking to you about this. Uh, the Jets team, man. You have a good night. 100%, man. You too. All right. Whew. Listen, Wyatt's calling in. <laughs> and he had a lot of science, a lot of knowledge to drop about these Jets, man. You know, he he took the bills, you know. I'm figuring there will be quite a bit of people that will take him tonight too. But, you know, he dropped a lot of science about the Jets, knows his stuff. So I want to thank him again for uh, for calling in. Um, again, 515-602-9639. I know got quite a bit of callers. I will get to you folks. Just please be patient. But I'm going to go to the Savages really quick. We're going to go to the chat. We're going to see what they're saying in the chat. Dark in the chat says, uh, you don't pass on a generational talent like Trevor, bro. Come on. Oh, well, listen, listen. I hear you, Dark. First salute to you. Uh, welcome to the stream again, Dark. Listen, I understand what you're saying, you know, but guess what? Sam Darnold was a generational talent as well coming out the draft. Anybody remember that? Anybody remember when we were literally – jumping to the moon about being able to draft Sam Darnold and how shocked a lot of people were as well, because everyone figured that he would go number one or number two because the giants, you know, didn't take him either. And we were just stunned by that fact and how every single analyst said, Hey, this is the kid that's going to turn your franchise around. He's going to change everything, you know, in the, in your building. All you got to do is surround him with stuff and he'll just, he'll just go to work. He's a hard worker. He's great on and off the field. You don't ever have to worry about it. Anybody remember all that stuff? Because I do. And I also remember us doing everything we possibly could to ruin him as well. Not giving him protection, not putting him in a position to make plays because we didn't have the adequate weapons at all. Um, And then we turned around and got rid of a bad coach like Todd Bowles because we said, hey, you're not the guy 
we can't have you around Sam Darnold. You're going to ruin him. And then we handed him to the QB killer, Adam Gaze. So come on. You know, I understand people are talking about, you know, generational talent. We have a talent here. But if we're not utilizing him correctly, then what exactly are we doing? If we're doing everything we can do to stunt his growth, how are, how are we helping our franchise? We're not. The best way that I think to help this franchise is to trade that pick and get a bunch of capital back and surround our franchise quarterback with real weapons. That's what I think we should be doing. But we'll continue to talk about that, you know, throughout the season. Uh, but, I'll, you know, I'll, I want to get back to these callers in a second. Again, my chat boys, keep chatting. You know, I'm definitely going to come to you folks. But, uh, you know, I want to get to these callers, so I want to get back to them. So, listen, caller that's calling in, I, I want to talk to you about this, uh, this Jets team, this Bills team as well, this matchup. I want to get your thoughts on this matchup and how you feel about this Jets team going into this game. Hey, Joe, how you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, my friend? How are you feeling today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, well, I, I think the most annoying thing about the Bills, and all credit to the Bills, um, their rebuild has really paid off. Their, their coaching hire has really paid off. Their draft picks have paid yep. off. And to see the Bills and the Finns basically lapping the Jets in terms of a rebuild um, is just so frustrating because this is all on the Jets here. You know, uh, I'm not saying that Darnold is like the perfect superstar or, or that he, you know, that he was perfect. He, he, he was a, pro, a little bit of a project quarterback. We knew that. But this really just falls on the, on the laps of the Jets, 90% of the blame. Uh, you know, they've mismanaged the coaches. Um, from Bowles to Gase, uh, they've mismanaged McCagnin to Douglas. That was a terrible mistake. Um, the off-season <laughs> signings have been a total nightmare in terms of how they've handled that. Um, the trading every single thing that we have really doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of these draft picks uh, are, are not panning out. Um, you know, you're, we're lucky if the guy is even starting. You know, like that's when we're – oh, hey, he's starting. Wow. Like that's really <laughs> – the feeling for these draft picks. It's terrible, Jim. Yeah. Yeah, you know, look, and, and again, I want to thank you for calling in. It's You know, to me, I look at this situation where I understand that people uh, are enamored with, with Trevor Lawrence, and I get it. But if you're not going to surround your QB with weapons properly, the guy we already have, never mind the fact that we really spent big capital to get Sam here as well. We traded uh, quite a bit of picks to move up to get this guy and put ourselves in a position to get – you know, to end up with him. So it's like, listen, when you have, you know, the chance to really rebuild your football team with the capital that we can gain if we trade down, I don't know if you can walk away from that, especially not when the uh, when the draft looks like it's going to have exactly what you need in it, which is a lot of wide receivers that you can get, um, quite a bit of playmakers offensively. There's offensive line talent. There's pass rushers there. You know, there's so much that we need because we're hurting in all those areas. I just don't understand how you would pass that up. But I want to talk to you about this Bills game, um, you know, because you're, you're really coming in hot and heat with the fire. I want to get your thoughts on this. You look at this situation. This Bills secondary is banged up. I'm talking about banged up quite a bit. They got guys that are missing. Do you think that this is a game mm-hmm. where the Jets will step back, especially with Darnold coming back? Do you think that this is a game where the Jets really take it to the air and start launching the football around and attack the Bills that way? Um, that That's what should happen, uh, Joe. But uh, the problem that we've had all year is the Jets receivers are not getting separation on anybody, against anybody they've played. Um, and they haven't really been playing super great teams this whole year. I mean, the Broncos are horrendous. Um, mm. They played half the Niners. 
Um, and the Finns are, yeah, they're not bad. They're not amazing. So it's probably the best opportunity that the Jets could, could hope to expect. But the the problem here, I think, is just a, a severe lack of talent um, with their wide receivers. They're not getting the space. So anytime Darnold or even Flacco, if they're throwing the ball, um, it's almost like a 50-50. You know, it's always very tight. There's no room for, for mistakes. Um, so it's really tough. Um, I think the Jets are going to have to. I mean, they're probably going to fall behind. Um, I hate to be overly negative, but that you know mm-hmm. we've seen this movie before, right? So yeah, yeah they yeah. should be taking care of it. But, but I'm not expecting this this big turnaround with Darnold coming in. Um, you know, it was just it's just been two weeks. Um, so I'm not really seeing anything that that would strike me as as a dramatic change. I I think Darnold is you know he needs to play this right. Um, but I, I, in the back of my mind, I can't have a little suspicion as to why he's starting. Um, you know, maybe it's Gates throwing us a bone to, to, to calm the fans down. Maybe they didn't get any trade offers. I don't know what it is, but um, for Darnold, regardless whether he's going to stay here or not, he really needs to have some good games. And even if he's not completing passes, he needs to be throwing the ball out of bounds instead of, you know, taking a big sack or throwing the pick. Those kind of things, they, they can't happen, at least for him, if, if not the Jets. Yeah. What are your, what are your thoughts about Mims coming back? Because you, you talked about the talent, you know, so far it hasn't looked good. And I'll agree with you, Perryman, um, you know, Berrios. I, I didn't think we really expected these guys to really show up and show out. Really the only guy that's really performed well is Crowder, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in a second because he's, he's out this game. He's doubtful. But what are your expectations of Mims going into this game? Because this is going to be his first game starting. Right. Um, I'm expecting a lot from him, a, a fair amount. I mean, um, you know, I know he's been out, but, he, he, you know, now that he's coming back in here, I want to see some, like, energy from this guy. You know, I, I want to see mm. hustle, if, if nothing else. Um, and him really, you know, trying to get the space, if the ball comes his way, to not make those drops that we've seen a thousand times where it hits him right in the hand and he lets it go. You know, yeah. I understand that sometimes you know, there's, there's some tough passes and, and Darnold may have to bullet, bullet it to him, but, you know, I want to see, like, some catch. Make a couple catches to impress us. I'm not expecting a yeah. giant game where he's scoring a lot of touchdowns, but if he can just make a couple catches that, you know, it's a third down conversion, maybe it's a 20-yard play, maybe it, it sets us up in the red zone, Something like that. Um, we need to see that. The Jets so desperate for anybody who, who can do anything on offense. And if Mims comes out and he's kind of flat and he's kind of slow and he's not really putting in the effort, um, then that's really frightening because uh, yeah, there's really just nobody out there to, to help Darnold. So he's our last hope, yeah. it almost feels like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, and what are your thoughts about the return of Becton as well? Because I know some people that are really excited to see him back out on the field, you know, kind of coming back from that shoulder issue that he has. Uh, Well, hopefully he's back because he's healthy, and I'm hoping they're not forcing him a little early. I understand, you know, Darnold's coming back, so I don't want them to be like, well, you know, rush him back because we're going to need someone to protect, protect Darnold. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. hoping that's not the case. I'm, I'm hoping that he's 100%. Um, he's done well in these in these games. Um, you know, he, he hasn't made any big um, blown tackles. He hasn't had any huge penalties or anything. So hopefully that's what we see 
that he looks like he's 100%. Um, you know, if he's looking hurt or if he's looking like he's really getting overwhelmed, then, I mean, we can all flip out after the game that <laughs> they trotted him out there for kind of, I don't want to say meaningless games, but it's not worth risking a guy who, with all our expectations, should be here next year. He should be here yeah. for a while. So let's not yeah. let's not burn him out right now for for you know this little short term. Yeah, yeah. And now to go over to the defensive side of the ball with you, how concerned are you about Josh Allen, him using his feet and kind of moving around as well? Because we saw that in the first game where we played him, he was able to extend plays getting outside the pocket. Are you concerned the defense is going to allow him to do that as well in this game? Yeah, um, you know, it's so annoying that last year we could say, hey, maybe we're terrible, the defense is pretty bad, but we can stop the run. Um, and that's completely asked <laughs> this season. It, it, it just is. Um, so oh, I'm man. expecting Allen. I mean, if it worked last time, why wouldn't they do it again? The good news, yeah. I think, for the Jets is at least he, Allen has had some trouble um, with possession of the ball, you know, he's had a couple fumbles. He's had a couple picks, um, you know, so there are, he does make mistakes that the Jets can exploit. And the Jets have gotten interceptions over the last six weeks. They haven't meant much, but it, it does happen. I'm seeing picks happening. I'm seeing fumbles happening. So the Jets are getting the ball. They're getting those turnovers. The The problem is very rarely does the offense get what they should out of it. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'll, I'll expect the defense to get one or two turnovers. Um, it's not going to have the impact on the game that it should, but, you know, I imagine that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm concerned as well, like you, like you talked about as well. I'm a little concerned of him getting outside and using his feet. But another thing that I'm concerned about is the Bills looking at this situation, especially with Pierre Desir, and going, you know what? This is a game where we're really going to feed Diggs quite a bit. We're going to find a way to isolate uh, Desir on Diggs, and we're going to utilize, you know, this weapon because we don't think Desir can be able to cover. Could you see the Bills doing that? Uh, absolutely. There's, I mean, look, you don't have to look at too much Desir tape to see that he gets horribly burned um, a yeah. lot. Um, this season. Um, so, yeah, they should be doing it. I, I think the main problem that the Jets have, um, partially with their schedule, just kind of like looking ahead, is that all the teams that they're playing, they're playoff teams or they're teams fighting for the wild card. So the Bills can't just kind of like walk in here and kind of sleepwalk um, in this game. They really need to win this game. Um, everybody the Jets are playing this season need their wins against the Jets um, because yep. the AFC is, is so tight. So that's really, I think, killing the Jets more than kind of what they got away with a little bit last year. Um, you know, they played some teams that were stepping off the gas. Maybe it wasn't that important. Maybe, you know, a trap game, you know, the Jets would play that role. But that's not happening this season. Um, everybody's circling the Jets as like, okay, we got to beat these guys. Come on. Um, and with how yeah. bad the Jets are, I mean, if you lose to the Jets, I feel like your job should be in trouble. <laughs> Because there really should be no excuse um, for anyone to, oh, to get beat by the Jets, you know. Really, it, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that's where we're at. But that's where we're at, Joe. So I'm <laughs> expecting the Bills to come out there. They're, they're not going to step off the gas, um, you know, and they're going to make sure that they're going to be ahead and they're going to be scoring. They're going to be scoring. 
Well, g- give me your final prediction for the game. Um, I think the Jets are going to come out, you know, first drive, they're going to score a touchdown. Uh, Darnold's best drives um, are, are, the, are the opening drive or whenever the Jets get the ball. So I see them scoring there, but I, I just kind of see them sputtering out after that. So I think it's going to be 30-10, something around there. Oh, 30-10, Bills. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, but listen, I, I want to thank you for calling in, man. 30 to 10, that's, you know, it's tough. It's tough, but, I, you know, I understand why people are going with the Bills in this game. You know, this, the way this team mm-hmm. has looked so far, it's not, you know, doesn't encourage anyone to, to take him. I'll tell you that right now. But, man, I want to thank you for calling in. It was great speaking to you. You have a good night, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Man, what a caller. Phenomenal. Again, everyone, 515-602-9639. Got quite a bit of callers. Please just be patient. I am going to get to everybody. I'm going to come to you next, 908. I'm definitely coming to you next. We'll uh, we'll speak with you. Uh, But I got to go to the chat, man. I got to go to the chat. (laughs) I got to talk to the savages and see what they got to say. Angel Reed, yo, salute to you, Angel Reed. Angel Reed and the team says, another team would probably rush to take Trevor from the Jets in a trade. And that's, that's, you know, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm thinking as well. I'm thinking that, listen, if Trevor comes out, you know, and Trevor, he's already declared, so he's coming out. But if Trevor, you know, if if we can find a deal, a right deal that, that fits what we need, that gives us the right picks, you know, you got to make that move. You got to make that move. You got to do whatever you can to continue to better this football team. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, we can do that. We can definitely turn things around. So I'm going to get back to these callers. Nine zero eight. I'm coming directly to you next. I want to talk to you about this Bills game. Things we got coming up, man. How do you feel about this football team? And what are your thoughts about the return of Sam Darnold? Long Beach Joe, it's your boy Steve. What's up, man? Long time no talk. <laughs> Man, Steve, how's it going, my man? How are you feeling today? I'm doing all right, Joe. Sorry I haven't been to get a chance to call on to your show a while, man. I've just been busy, man, busy schedule. Just I, I was going to no. call earlier tonight, but I was actually finishing up watching the rest of a college football game. I was watching Indiana upset Penn State. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just always good to talk to you. So let's go ahead and get right into it, Steve. How are you feeling about the return of Sam Darnold and the first NFL game of, of Mims as well? You something, Joe. When Mims, when I saw today at around 3 o'clock when the Jets announced that Mims was going to be activated for tomorrow, that is probably so far the biggest sign of hope for the season so far. I mean, yes, it's also good that Sam is coming back tomorrow, tomorrow as well, but I'm very, very excited to see, you know, Denzel Mims finally get his chance. I mean, the kid never had a chance. And today, and when I found the announcement, I was watching, like, his Baylor highlights again. I got to tell you, he he definitely has the potential to become a great receiver and hopefully build a future for Sam. And hopefully, you know, Sam is going to be still our future quarterback. Because obviously, you know, with this, this, this whole thing the last couple of weeks, you know, Jet fans want the Jets to lose every single game so we could get Trevor Lawrence in as the first overall pick. I mean, I know it's probably something that you're holding a grudge around because I know that, that listen, Sam Darnold, your boy, USC, SEC, well, the, yeah, I mean. Yeah, wait, 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 just, wait. You know, hold, hold on, hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Listen, I understand that people think that I'm, you know, a Sam Darnold homer. I'm not. 
I'm not. If Sam Darnold was bad, if I thought he was a bad quarterback and that we shouldn't move forward with him, I would say that. I talk about it all the time. I never thought that Sam – excuse me, I never thought that Mark Sanchez would be that great for us. He never he never ended up being great. I wasn't the guy that was caping for Mark Sanchez when he was here. You know, I, I said, hey, you know, it is what it is if we move on from him. But the thing that I see with Sam is that why are we moving on from a guy if we haven't put him in a proper situation or, the you know, put a proper team around him for him to be able to even show what he has? And even then, we've still seen flashes. You know, you look at the situation, we are 0-8 without him. If you look at the, the entire record without him playing, we've been 0-8. If you look no, at our, our score this year, a lot of it was broken plays, and a lot of it was him utilizing his feet to be able to make plays in this garbage-ass offense. So yeah, I look I, at the situation like, listen, if you take a young quarterback like that, a guy that's at the top of his class when you took him, and you never surrounded him with weapons, properly protected him, or gave him the right coaching. You got to do that. You got to turn it around, and we have the chance to do that if we trade that pick. Yeah, no, no. Listen, if if they ever did, you know, if they ever did, you know, like if let's say they ended up having the number one pick, and you know, if Joe Douglas decides that you know, listen, I still believe that Sam is is still the future for this team because I know. I even remember Joe Douglas said that the, when he first came in as Jets general manager, that he was a big Sam Darnold fan. But the thing is now going into this game against Buffalo, I mean, obviously we're 0-6 coming into this game. Buffalo is 4-2. and I mean, Buffalo the last two games, they've been in a really, really bad slump. I mean, you know, they lost two they, – their, their last two losses, obviously, you know, they lost to Tennessee – uh, 42 to 16, and then on the Monday game they lost 27 to 17 or 16 at home against Kansas City. I mean, the thing now the thing is about Buffalo is is that I will say this because when I was looking at their injury report, Buffalo mm-hmm. I will say is very 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 banged up coming into this game. I mean, yeah. they are a very, they are a very banged up team. I mean, you know they they're they're not going to have Josh Norman tomorrow. Um, I heard Trevadius White is going to be a game time decision, but he didn't practice yep. on Friday. Um, I know, um, I know John Brown. Uh, he's their second best receiver on their team. I know he's not playing. He's so, out too. But the yep. thing is, he's out too. So, I mean, obviously, but the biggest concern about facing this Bills offense is, I mean, listen, I know Josh Allen is not the best quarterback in the league. But the thing that fears me the most about Josh Allen is is how he can move with his feet. I mean, listen, he he's not a good passer. I will say that. He is not a very good passer. I mean, yes, he does have his <laughs> arm, but at most of the time, his arm can be very, very, very inaccurate. And, I mean, that's going to be the key thing for the Jets defense tomorrow is that if they can prevent Josh Allen from running the ball and if he's got to throw the ball a lot and if the Jets can find a way – to make turnovers against against Buffalo and hopefully capitalize mm. on them, that's the best chance of winning. But then again, but wait, wait a second, Steve. Wait, wait a second, Steve. Wait a second, wait a second. Because I, and I hear you. You're bringing the fire right now, man. And I hear what you're saying about Josh Allen and, you know, keeping him in the pocket and not allowing him to run outside the pocket and make plays with his feet. But we've also seen teams be able to hand the ball off and run on us. I mean, the Niners did it. We gave a big yards to the Niners. The Colts did it. The Broncos did it. I mean, aren't you concerned about them just being able to hand the ball off and run on us too? Because this defense is giving it up on the ground. 
Yeah, no, no. The run, de- the run defense this year, honestly, has been a very big disappointment. And the run defense the last few years has always been very good for the Jets. But, I mean, the last time when the Jets had a really bad run defense, it was back like in 2012, if I remember. I mean, that run defense we had was terrible that year. But that, that, that's the kind of run defense it's been this year. I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, listen, Devin Singletary is not having a good season this year for Buffalo. Like, he's actually having a really tough sophomore year this year for him. But the thing is, though, like, the thing with Devin Singletary is, like, if Josh Allen can find a way to give the ball to Devin Singletary, and if Singletary has some big runs, then we could be in trouble tomorrow. But, but mm. now the thing is, though, the Bills' defense is also pretty banged up. Like I mentioned, Josh Norman is not playing. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a chance tomorrow that, that, what's his name, Matt Milano may not be playing tomorrow. I know he's a game-time decision tomorrow. But the thing is, though, the biggest thing, though, that Buffalo does have that the Jets don't have is Buffalo has a much better coaching staff than we do. That's also going to yeah. be the thing, too, going into tomorrow. Because, listen, I, I have to, as much as I don't like the Bills, Bills, I mean, listen, I don't mind their team at all. Like, I actually do respect their team very well. I just can't stand their fans. Their fans are the ones that drive us Jet fans crazy. But the thing is, you've got to give credit to what Sean McDermott has done for that team the last few years he's been with Buffalo. You've got to give him credit for what he has done with that team. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely you have to because I, here's a guy – that stepped in, and he's a true leader. He understands, you know, how to get his players to play for him. He understands how to put them in the in the right position, and he does that. And you know that that offense is, is moving as well. You know, I know, and I can agree with you. You know, Josh Allen does. He's, he can get inaccurate at times, but they've surrounded him with weapons and they give him protection so that he can be able to make plays. But even touching on the coaching point that you were making, Steve, you're like I said, man, you're bringing the fire. How concerned are you that this team is going to be undisciplined like we've seen in the past and get a ton of penalties? Do you think that this is the game where they turn that around and they don't come out and play crazy, undisciplined football? I honestly really hope so because the penalties is another thing that's been really hurting us this year. But when, when, even when the Jets have made some big plays in games, what, like this year, when it when they had to make the key play, a penalty happens, and, and unfortunately, it's something that has really bit us in the ass this year. It's just that yeah. is a problem. And I mean, if you look back to the Thursday night game against Denver, when Quentin Williams made the big sack on the quarterback, but he ended up getting penalized for that face mask. That really, really did hurt us, and that was honestly the best chance for us of, of getting our only W that night. But. The thing is, though, what, what the biggest thing about going into this game tomorrow is, and I, I got to tell you something, this is possibly going to be a trap game for the Bills. I know some people are saying that this could be a trap game for them. I mean, we're 10-point we're underdogs going into this game tomorrow. We're 10-point underdogs. The key to this game is you've got to start fast. If you can get off to a fast start, which is unfortunately yeah. something the Jets haven't done. I mean, we did get off to the fast start on the Thursday night game against Denver. That was the only time we ever did that. But if we got to get off on a fast start against this Bills team, because if you don't get off to a fast start against this Bills team, the Bills can easily, they can easily 
take control of this game. Now, the other thing is, like, what is going to be a key factor is, is that in the last two years that we've seen Sam Darnold with this, when he came back from the foot injury, you know what happened? He went right into Buffalo week 14, 2018, had the game-winning drive against Buffalo and won. Look at what happened last year when he came back in the game with, with, with the mono. He came back from week six against the Cowboys last year, and we won that mm-hmm. game. And that, was, and that was the game that last year that Adam Gaze had as, as his first head coaching year. The other thing I wanted to just touch upon is Adam Gaze. It's just, it's just that, unfortunately, I have to watch his clown ass again tomorrow on the sideline calling plays. And it's just the thing is, Joe – my biggest fear is, is that Adam Gaze is going to come out and do these dumb plays like he'll do, like what he usually does. It's just that's going to be my biggest fear. Unfortunately, I I'm probably am going to see some of that tomorrow, tomorrow in the game. But the biggest the, – the, just the but biggest it, thing that needs to happen hold is – Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Hold on, Steve. Hold on a second. At least I hear you. I hear you. But isn't isn't Adam Gaze at this point? Isn't you again? We we've gone in with banged up teams. The Niners were banged up. They had a ton of you know a, a ton of injuries. Uh, you know the 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 Colts had guys that were kind of down. The Broncos were really banged up as well. Uh, and you know so we went in there against those teams, and things were not like as they should be. And we ended up getting beaten those games. The Niners game, we ended up getting smoked. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, when you look at this situation, again, we're going up against a banged-up team, and I hear what you're saying about Adam Gaze, the dumb plays, but don't you think he's under just a ton of pressure to ensure that this offense produces against this banged-up Bills defense? No, this is a game tomorrow that Adam Gaze needs to take advantage of tomorrow because he's got to understand that Buffalo is going to be using some of their backup players. Like, they're, they're going to be using their backup corners. I, I will say this. Mm-hmm. If Trevadius White does not play tomorrow for Buffalo, if he does not play for Buffalo, thing that's really going to hurt in their secondary. And I mean, I mean, listen, yeah. he he already missed one game this year, Trevadius White, and that was the game in Tennessee. Look at what happened in Tennessee. If you watch that game when Tennessee blew them out, forty-two to sixteen. Like, if you watch that game, it's just that Buffalo's defense looked completely lost without him. Yeah, I mean, I look at it like this, again, because – and you brought up a great point, and I, I talked about it earlier as well, the injuries that they have. You know, offensively, of course, they're going to be missing John Brown. But when you talk about Tredavious Wright, uh, Matt Milano, Cam Lewis is probably going to be John, gone as well. Josh Norton – Josh Norman, excuse me, is also going to be uh, out for the game too. Listen, you've got to take advantage Joe, of that. Josh Norman – Joe, I'm sorry. Even when Josh Norman is healthy to me – He's not the same player he used to be. I think he's all washed well, up. Well, you know, <laughs> listen, I hear you, Steve, but I'm here to respect everybody, you know, and I understand, you know, again, he's, you know, he's up there in age. He may not be the, the same player he was before, but again, we're not an extremely talented team. We're not. So we got to respect no, everybody that's out there. I so agree. You, you get what I'm saying? You, you know, and, I, and yeah. I get it. He's not great right now. He's not, you know. He's not the greatest. I understand that. But, again, we're not an extremely talented team. So, if you see that a guy is not going to be out there, their starters are missing. Tredavious White is probably, you know, he's questionable, but more than likely he's not going to be playing. If he's not playing, these guys aren't out there. You've got to attack that secondary. You've got to take it no, to the air and you've got to make them – you have to test them. You have to see, hey, look, <laughs> you've you, you, you got to see if these guys can cover. 
Because if these if their backups cannot cover and their backups can't can get at it, then I don't know what you do. You attack their weakness. And right now, you know, you look at the situation, their starters are out. You got to go after those Bills corners. Am I correct, Steve? No, you have to go. Here's the thing. If Trevadius White is not going to play tomorrow, if he is not going to be playing tomorrow, you have to attack Buffalo secondary. You have to attack the secondary. And that is something Adam Gaze needs to do. But the thing that he's going to probably do is if he's going to go up against that weak secondary, there's going to be two things that could possibly happen tomorrow if Trevadius White doesn't play. Number one, he's going, to handle, he's going to hand off the ball more to Frank Gore. And then the other thing that he's going to do is those stupid screen plays. It's just that's oh my the God. Thing that's gonna, if, if that, Joe, if that, if that happens. No more tomorrow, screens, oh, I'm, Steve. I'm no more. Do I don't want any more screens in my life, Steve. I've seen so many screens this damn year. I don't want screens. At, I don't want screens on my windows. I don't want screens on my doors. I don't want any more <laughs> damn screens. I'm just tired of screens. Everywhere I look, all I see is a damn screen. I don't want to see no, any more screens ever just, again at all. I don't like television yeah, screens. Just, I don't like, like – I'm tired of screens, man. That's, well, that's how we oh, watch Jet games. Computer we screens. on the television screen. <sighs> Man, I'm hey, listen, tired of that. I'm no, so no, tired of screens. No, I'm gonna, make, I'm gonna actually make you feel something better. You ready for this? <sighs> Sam Darnold can. Yeah, go ahead, listen, Steve. Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold can finish a long touchdown run, not like Daniel Jones can. Okay. <laughs> listen, Steve, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of gays and his predictable play calling. I'm just, no, listen, dude, no, I no, am just no, over no, it. I am telling you, Joe. Joe, from the minute that he gets fired, when that day finally happens, I'll call on the show. We'll celebrate together, okay? Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Well, Steve, it was great speaking to you, man. Give me your final prediction for the game. Here is my thing about this game. I actually do think the Jets are going to give Buffalo a really close game. Listen, it is a divisional game. And, and usually when we have these divisional games, I mean, listen, they didn't show up last week for Miami, unfortunately. But if I had to make a final score prediction with all of this Bills, with the Bills being banged up, unfortunately, I am going to predict that Buffalo will win tomorrow. If I'm going to make a final oh. score prediction now, I'm going to predict Buffalo will win 24 to 20 tomorrow over the Jets. Oh, 24 to 20? So you think, okay, you think they keep it, they keep it close. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a close game tomorrow, but I have to give the edge to Buffalo. Wow. Oh, okay, okay. I respect that, Steve. Listen, man, I want to thank you for calling in, man. It was good to speak to you again. Hey, Joe. It was great to have Joe, you listen. on. Yeah, go ahead. Joe, listen, listen. Every even I'm I am hoping I'm wrong tomorrow and hoping we get that W. Because listen, Joe, I can't be a team going zero and sixteen. I just can't see it. I mean, unfortunately, I just don't Steve, want to see an 0-16 team. Neither do – Steve, I, I really don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want us to go 0-16. And I know that there's a lot of people that think that we are going to, but I just I, – I don't want to see us do that either, Steve. So, man, yeah, listen, I, I want to thank you for calling in again, man. You have a good night, Steve. Good, good night, Joe, and go Jets. All right, go Jets. Steve calling in, just bringing the knowledge, man. He's always a good fan to speak with, always good to talk to him because he knows his Jets. He knows what he's talking about. Again, 515-602-9639 is the number if you want to call in. 
Listen, man, Steve called in with fire. He called in with complete fire. He understands his football team. And even he took the bills. Even he did. You know? And I understand it because, again, this team, this team hasn't given a lot of people a lot of things to be excited about. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it all the way real. This team is, is not done enough. So I'm going to go to the Savages real quick. going to go to the chat. I mean, they're going off in there. Romeo Anthony Colonial, salute to you, uh, Romeo. Romeo in the chat says, the Jets on Sunday can't be competitive with no running game. That's a fact. That's a fact. You gotta, you've got to find a way to be able to run this football and keep the Bills honest. Because I could also see the Bills sending some blitzes. I mean, McDermott over there, Dermy, he, he can draw it up. <laughs> let's, let's be serious here, okay? Dermy and the Bills, listen, Dermy can draw it up, and he'll get it after you, okay? You've got to find a way you know, to keep these guys from trying to come on all these exotic blitzes from different places that he's going to send them. So you've got to keep them honest. You've got to let them know, hey, we will run the football, you know, and, and the Jets do have to have a solid running game, and a big part of that is utilizing Piron, okay? Stop utilizing Frank Gore like he's a 23-year-old running back that's <laughs> going to be back here, you know, for the next three, four years we plan on him to start. That's not happening. You need to utilize P. Ryan because he's a young guy with fresh legs. Got he can move. Utilize him not only in the running game but also in the passing game as well too. Swing him out the backfield, let him catch some footballs. He can do that as well as well. I mean, it's just it's insane. But like you were saying, Romeo, he does. He does. We do have to have you know a running game. We do have to do that. Romeo also says it should be nice. It sure it sure would be nice if we had an all stud pro running back who can run and catch the ball. Oh wait, we did. Oh. <laughs> People still upset about losing Le'Veon Bell, which is understandable. I am as well. You know, it's insane. It's completely insane. But we've got to find a way to utilize P. Ryan in these games that we have coming up. We absolutely do. I mean, it's the way that Adam Gaze manages this roster, the way that Adam Gaze, you know, handles this team offensively, it's atrocious. And that's got to change tomorrow. It's absolutely got to change. Because, and I was talking to Steve about this, but guess what? Uh, this is another banged-up team that we're going to be playing against. There's a lot of pressure on Adam Gates to step in here and do what he needs to do to put up points. If this offense comes out again and it's bad yet again, dude, that's a direct indictment. There's no way you can keep giving him passes for this. There's no way. It's completely ridiculous. I'm excited about Sam coming back. I'm excited about Mims coming back. I'm excited about Beckton coming back as well. But if this offense, the game plan, if it's not good, if you're coming out and you're just just calling dives every single first down and your third down play calling is extremely predictable, I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. You can't have that. You can't keep having that in every single game. And, again, the Bills are a bang of football team. They're going to be missing guys. Norman, Tredavious White, game time, more than likely he's not going to play. Even offensively, they're missing John Brown. You know, so there's some things that we could take advantage of, and this team has got to take advantage of it. The, another thing that I'm worried about as well is the Jets coming out flat and unprepared. We've got we've to gotta do that. We've actually got – we cannot come out flat and unprepared. This team has, has to start fast. We've got to get going. You know, we've got to get going. Thicken's also going to be out in this game as well. We signed another kicker. So Sergio's going to be, you know, out there kicking for us. I'm hoping to see him, you know, be able to step in and hold the fort too and not miss, you know, kicks. Because we never know. This game could come down, you know, to a kick being made. It could, even though that team is banged up. 
So this Jets team has quite a bit, you know, to figure out, man. This Jets team has got to go in there and compete. Because I understand that, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show. <laughs> a lot of callers think we're going to go, you know, lose every single game this year. I don't want that. I really don't want that. <laughs> I do not want an 0-16 season. I don't want that. I do not want that at all. So I'm going to give you folks my final prediction. I look at this situation. I look at the Jets right now. I'm saying to myself, this is a team that I think the Jets could end up, you know, could end up winning against. I understand we're in a bad spot, but we've got Sam back. So that's, that's brought my energy up. You know, Beckton is back. We're seeing what Mims is going to give us. I know Crowder is, is doubtful. He, he's going to be out for this game. But with Perryman and, and Braxton Berrios and Jeff Smith, you know, I'm excited. I'm, it's, it's bringing me a little bit of excitement. I think Sam has some playmaking ability. I'm a little bit worried about our defense because I do think that that Diggs is, you know, Diggs is definitely, you know, going to try to take advantage of Desir in this game as well. Um, I'm really worried and concerned about Greg Williams too because a lot of people talk about this offense, but we don't talk about Greg Williams and this defense. This this defense has given up quite a bit, and I understand they're on the field quite a bit, but, uh, it, you know, there's been some games where he's been very spotty with his defensive play calling as well. So, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about this Jets team. And you know what? I'm going to take the Bills. I'm going to take the Bills in this football game. I'm going to take the Bills to beat the Jets 30 to 10. 30 to 10, I'm taking the Bills. thought I was going to take the Jets, didn't you? Fooled you. <laughs> I fooled you. I, 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 can't, I can't take the Jets. I got to be real, okay? I can't. You know, as much as I love this football team, you know, you look at this situation with them right now, and everything just makes you want to ask questions about them. And until this offense produces, I just I can't, I can't. Come on, man. Come, come on. Come on, everybody. Listen, I want to take the Jets. I do. I really, really do. But I just, I can't take them. I can't take them, especially when you're talking about the playmaking ability. You know, Josh Allen being able to move outside the pocket, our inability to get to the passer. And even when we did get to him in the first game, he was still able to break tackles. And I don't, I just, I can't take him. I can't take him. So I am taking the Bills to beat the Jets 30 to 10. Listen, I want to thank everyone for calling in tonight. It was phenomenal to speak to everybody. Uh, had a ton of callers. I want to thank everybody again. It was great to speak to you folks. Listen, I'm the man of the people. I'm here for the people. Let me shamelessly promote my Facebook page. Everyone go on Facebook, search The Long Beach Joe Show. Like that page. My content's up there. Go ahead and give it a listen. Message me. I'll message you right back. I want to go back and forth about this football team. Also, leave me some feedback. I love hearing about what you folks think I do here on the Long Beach Joe Show. I'm also on Twitter as well at YoungJ000. That's three zeros. Go ahead and follow me. I'll follow you right back. You want to troll me? No issues. I'm the troll that lives under the bridge. And I will troll you right back, and I'll have my Darno jersey on. He's back. He's playing. You know what I'm saying? I want to see what he does tomorrow. I really, really do. And I want to see him protected properly and utilized properly within the offensive scheme, Adam Gaze. Um, you can also follow the, the show's uh, Twitter page as well at the Long Beach Joe. Uh, you know, please go over there, follow my, you know, follow that page. We can definitely go back and forth on there as well. I'm also on YouTube as well uh, at Long Beach Joe Jets. Long Beach Joe Jets is the YouTube page. You can see all my contents up there. Uh, you know, please go down there, subscribe to that page, uh, turn your notifications for that page. Also, if you want to troll me on that page, no issues. I will troll you right back on that page as well. All right. I love going back and forth to folks. And as always, people, when you see me in person, it is arms out, chest open, 
free hugs for everyone, free hugs for everyone that will cost you absolutely nothing, all right, no matter what anyone tells you, especially at a time like this, when this team's looking this way, because they're not looking too good, (laughs) the hugs will always remain free. So I want to thank you folks for listening. You folks have a good one. Peace.